So I want to talk to you today about two lovely little words, flexibility and resistance. Now, um, flexibility is the ability to move around situations, to get around situations that you need to, and resistance is the ability to stand up and resist something. So if you get that wrong when you're living life, if you start resisting the wrong thing and being flexible in the wrong thing, life can get very, very messy very, very quickly. So today's lesson, if you like, is about how to live a life that is flexible in terms of God and is resisting the right thing. When God asks us to do something for him, we usually experience both resistance and a need to be flexible. Usually when God says, I want you to do something, it immediately runs in against our flesh and we resist it. There's a, a natural resistance to when God is telling us to do that. If I asked you to come up and share something from your heart, you'd go, oh, that's, oh, you get a natural resistance. But if you felt God was wanting you to do it, you'd do it anyway because you'd fight through it and be flexible, you'd find a way to do it. In the book of Esther, I don't know, how many read the book of Esther? Put your hand up if you read the book of Esther. It's a great, if you haven't read the book of Esther, I'm going to challenge you to go away in the Old Testament and read the book of Esther this week. You, you, you find an interesting play with resistance and flexibility. And I'm just going to tell you the story. I'm not going to, I'm not going to actually read it for you, but I'll, I'll, I'll read some parts, but I'll tell you the story. So this is King. And he throws a party. Well, first of all, before he throws the party, he, he's, he has an exhibition. And he, he's exhibiting his power and all his goods and all his might. For six months, he has an exhibition and everybody around comes and looks at the wealth and the power of the king. Six months, it's like an exhibition. At the end of the six months period of time, he has a seven-day party. It goes for seven days. He's got all the princes and all the kings and he's having a great party there and at the end of the party, on the seventh day of the party, he calls his wife, the queen, to come and put her crown on and he's going to exhibit her in front of everybody. And the queen says, I'm not coming. I'm not going to stand up and to be on show for everybody. And so she refuses to come. Now, the king is not a very strong king, so he usually asks advice from the princes around what he should do about the queen who's decided not to come and show herself to all the people around and they said well you've got to banish the queen you've got to kick the queen out and you've got to get yourself a new queen because if all the the other women in the in the in the in the kingdom see that this woman is able to say no to you then they'll all say no to their husbands and you'll have problems on your hand because the men will not be the masters of their homes and so he says, okay, and he banishes the queen. That means he holds the king out, queen out and he says, we'll have to look for another queen. And so Esther, who is the cousin of a guy called Mordecai, who's looked after her because Esther hasn't got any parents, she comes along, Mordecai brings along and says, you can be a candidate for this because you're a young virgin and you're very beautiful and you can be... The Let's, let's, let's go into the competition and see if you win. Esther wins the competition because God makes sure that she wins the competition and she's selected out of all the other beautiful girls that come to the thing. She's selected as the next future queen. Now, Mordecai is a Jew and a very proud Jew, so he's sort of stuck in his pride. Haman is one of the princes that is in the, in the kingdom and he's sort of like a... 
like uh, the king's right hand, so to speak. So we've got Haman and he's sort of like a very straight guy and you've got Mordecai, he's a straight guy and you've got little flexible Esther who's just doing everything she's told. Now Mordecai is standing there and Haman's walking around and he likes to have everybody bow to him with respect because he thinks he's something great in the kingdom. But Mordecai is stuck. He's resistant. He's going to bow to nobody. And so he refuses to bow to Haman. Haman says, who is this guy who won't bow to me? And he says, that's Mordecai the Jew. Now, because Mordecai is so fixed and won't give anything away, he's just rigid, he's not about to bow, and he never does. So Haman is getting just as rigid and says, he will bow to me. And if he doesn't, he says, I'm going to kill all the Jews. And so he goes back to the king who's quite flexible. He doesn't, he doesn't know what to stand on and what to stand for. And Haman says to him, you know, here we are and the Jews are bad in our country. Now, this country is huge. I mean, we, we talk about the king's provinces and they're all over the place. There are many, many provinces that the, the Jews are living in. And Haman is able to persuade the king to sign a rule that says... On a certain date, we'll kill all the Jews. All the Jews will be women, children, husbands, wives, will be open to slaughter. If you want their land, if you want their property, just go and kill them and take everything that they have. And the king, because he's flexible in the wrong stuff, signs the bill. He doesn't know that Esther, his new queen, is a Jew. He doesn't know what's going on. Mordecai hears that there's a, a plot to kill the king by a couple of the eunuchs that are looking after him. And he tells the king, and so he's got some favour with the king. But the king never acknowledges Mordecai has actually helped him. And the story goes out that Mordecai, the king can't sleep one night, and he says, why can't I sleep? He goes back to his records, and he finds out that Mordecai, who saved his life one day, has never been honoured. Haman is so cross with the Jews, he's built, and so cross with, with, with Mordecai, he's built a gallows in his backyard, a big hanging pole, a great big pole up there with a noose on the end, and he's going to hang Mordecai on it. And so now the ground is set for something that's kind of amazing. You have the king who doesn't know what's going on about him. You have Haman who's going to kill all the Jews, especially Mordecai, and you have Mordecai, who hears about what's going on because the king has made a proclamation that this is going to take place, and he's now sending word to Esther to do something about it. And we pick it up in that story where, where he's told Esther, you can't keep quiet about this. Don't think if you button your mouth because you're a Jew and don't say anything that you will escape. Then he says, God's kind of flexible. If you don't do something about this, Esther, God will raise somebody from somewhere else to fix it. God is able to have his way no matter what. God is flexible. If you don't work with God, if you don't do what God wants you to do, if you decide to say, oh, I'm not going to do it, God is quite happy to move around you and he'll move through somebody else and raise somebody else to do his will. He will have his will done. God is flexible. And Esther recognises that she's got to resist the evil. 
And in resisting the evil, she has to become flexible. It's going to be hard for her because there's a rule in the kingdom that says, if you approach the king and you haven't been asked to approach the king, he'll kill you. That's just the rule. Because you don't, you don't come towards the king unless you've been asked. So now Esther has to break the rule, which means she's probably going to get killed, to approach the king to ask for the Jews to be spared. And she's smart. She's flexible. Rather than Bolton, she, she appears at the gate over there in front of the king. So she sees the king, he's, and she's appearing just in the distance. And he says, oh, okay, come on, come closer. And then she comes up and she says, I'm going to have a party tomorrow. I'd like you and I'd like Haman to come to the party. And the king says, yeah, we're going to a party, Haman. It's going to be good. And Haman thinks, he thinks he's right in the inner circle now. When they go to the party... Esther talks to them about the fact that the Jews are going to be killed and it's evil Haman that's done this thing. And the king, because he's flexible, thinks, oh, terrible. And he runs out because he's so upset. Well, Haman knows now that he's, he's going to get it because the king is upset with him because the king has been set up. And so he falls down on his face in front of Esther and says, save me, save me, you know, save me from this thing. And then the king walks in and thinks that he's actually having a move on Esther. Not a good thing. So within the next couple of breaths, Haman's taken away and they take him out and they hang him on the, on the, on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Mordecai is brought in and he's made the, the prince and the Jews are given a, a way to escape. Now, you can see in that story how rigidity and flexibility work to bring devastation if you don't know what to stand strong on or if you're flexible on the wrong things. Jesus wants us to be both flexible and rigid. Flexibility is the quality of bending easily without breaking. That means if you're flexible and the wind blows, you're going to go with the wind. All the trees that are flexible when a windstorm comes generally don't get broken. It's the hard, rigid trees that are snapped off in a storm. The ones that are like the weeping willow just blow with it and then they come back again and they blow again and they blow the other way and that's okay. They're flexible. The ability to be easily modified, willingness to change or to compromise. It's a strength in some places and a weakness in others. Resistance is the refusal to accept or comply with something. You don't, I'm not going to comply. I'm going to refuse. I'm going to stand against it. It's the use of force or violence to oppose someone or something. In the wrong place, if you resist at the wrong time, it's stupid. In the right place, if you don't resist, it's wrong. So you have to learn when to be flexible and you have to learn when to resist. And you have to learn to do that with God. Because if you resist at the wrong place and you are flexible in the wrong place, disaster is waiting for you. We have to learn to be wise. And the great question then is, when do I be flexible and when do I resist? An attitude of rigidity produces a lot of resistance. Rigidity is the ability of not bending. It's being stuck and refusing to change. In Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 15, 
The Pharisees got very upset with the apostles. See, the apostles were walking through the field, and as they're walking through the field, they're picking grain in their hands from the head of the thing. And then they roll the grain in their hands like that, blow off the chaff, and then they chew and eat the grain. They were just doing that. And the Pharisees were looking and says, they were stuck. They were rigid. I mean, Jesus was Pharisees eating because they're hungry. There's nothing wrong. No, but they didn't wash their hands. You can't eat when you're hungry. You've got to wash your hands. The rule says, the tradition is, the elders' tradition is, you've got to wash your hands before you eat. You can't even do that, blow the thing and put it in your mouth because you didn't wash your hands. And so they had a problem because they were stuck. And they confronted it. They forget all the miracles. They forget all the truth of his teachings. They forget all the good things he's doing. All they can see is they're stuck. He did. They didn't wash their hands. They're stuck on the rule. And when they're stuck on the rule, they resist the truth. Jesus says, you know, how is it? You guys resist everything all the time. You're resisting, you're resisting, you're resisting. He says, your your rules, your traditions are more important to you than the word of God. And then he gives them illustrations of how how they just throw away God's word just to uphold their rules. So the the first thing I want to tell you is flexibility in the right place is good. Blind Bartimaeus. In Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52, you have a story about blind Bartimaeus. You can't see. Jesus is walking down the road and he's calling out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody's telling him, shut up, be quiet. He doesn't want to talk to you. And they're trying to put him quieting down, you know. And he keeps on calling out, calling out. And then Jesus stops because he can hear Bartimaeus calling out. And he says, come here, blind Bartimaeus. And the text tells us that when Bartimaeus, they said to him, he's calling you, it says, he took off his cloak and threw it aside. Well, what's the cloak? Well, that's his trade. Blind Bartimaeus has a trade. It's called the beggar's trade. So what you do is you sit down and you put your cloak on the ground in front of you. And when people you say, oh, I, can't, I can't see, give me, give, me, give me some money, and they come along and they throw the money onto the cloak. What you do is you then pick up the cloak, shake it all, and bring the money to yourself and put it in your pocket. The cloak collects it. You know, if it's on the ground, you can't see to pick it up. So if it's on the cloak, you can bring it into the center and you can put it in your pocket. When he threw his cloak aside, he was being extremely flexible. Think about it. If he doesn't get his sight back, where is his cloak? If he doesn't get his sight back, What's he going to do now? He's saying, I'm going for something new. I'm going for some change in my life. I'm willing to be flexible. I'm willing to throw my croak aside and to stand up and come to Jesus. Jesus says, what do you want? He says, I want to see. And God said, yeah, okay. And he healed him right then. Now listen to me. Some of us, we want change in our lives. But we've got a security blanket that we're hanging on to that we just won't let go of. You're hanging on to that thing and it's just, you just rigidly stuck to it because you think if you give it away, if you give it away, somehow you'll lose control. 
Listen, how much do you want something new in your life? How much do you want something different in your life? How much You've got to give something away to get into the new place. If you want to see and you've been living a life of a blind person, you might have to throw away your dependency on the cloak. Rigidity will make you hang on to it. Well, I've always, if I actually give in and start obeying mum, then I'll give away my pride and I, and I like to resist because that's just what I do. Well, you'll never get anywhere in God if you're a child and you're resisting the, the, the obedience of your parents. Never get anywhere because it's just you have to throw that away and say, well, Jesus says, submit to one another. Jesus says, obey your parents. So throw away the independence. Throw away the rebellion. You don't need it. Some of you got addictions. Some of you got thought addiction. Some of you got substance addiction. Some of you got attitudinal addiction. Some of you are locked into, into relationships where you know you shouldn't be locked into. And you're scared because if you are flexible and push it aside and turn to Jesus and say, All to Jesus, I surrender, you're going to lose something. You're rigidly suck, stuck on something that you shouldn't be stuck on. Flexibility in the right things is a good thing. You've got to give something away. You've got to be able to change. In fact, repentance, to repent for, before God, is all about changing. Changing the way you think, changing the way you act, changing the way you feel, changing so that you can be what Jesus wants you to be. And if you are refusing to change, then you are stuck in your sin. You understanding what I'm saying? You with me? It's very quiet in here. You're listening? You hear me? Resistance for the right things is good. In Acts chapter 5, verses 25 to 32, you have the, the apostles. And they, you know, remember Jesus has risen from the dead. And you've got to chapter 4. And uh, we've had Ananias and Sapphira explain to us their sin and rebellion. And then in chapter 5, you have the apostles. You've gone out into the marketplaces, just a little bit like we had this morning in the marketplace. People going out preaching in the marketplace and the authorities came down to them and they said, no more speaking. We don't want to hear about Jesus anymore. And the apostles heard that. And they said, mm-hmm, okay. And the very next day, because everybody preaches, they went down again and they started preaching preaching on the top of their voices and they, they'd been locked up and they'd been told not to do this and then they got out and they were preaching in the marketplace again and so they brought them back in and they were careful but they did. these guys were favourites in the crowd so they didn't want to touch them in the crowd because that means the crowd would turn against them so they just come here, come in, come in and they said, we told you not to speak in the name of Jesus and they said these words, should we obey God or man? Sometimes it's important to disobey man if disobeying man is obeying God. And if you don't get that, you miss that, you miss something very, very important because sometimes you need to resist. You know, if I, I think if more people resisted what was going on in Hitler's day, we wouldn't have had those atrocities. Oh, a man with a white shirt comes on and tells you to do something. You think he's got authority because he's wearing a white shirt. You'll just do what he says. 
without thinking about what he says. You're like king. Like the king, he says, oh, well, whatever you say, too flexible. No, you need to resist. If it's not good, you need to resist. There needs to be something inside you that says, you know, that's wrong. What you just asked me to do is wrong. I'm not going to do that. You know, you go and get somebody else to do that. I'm not going to do that. You want, you want me to cheat? No, I'm not doing that. That's wrong, the thing that you asked me to do. And you've got to learn to resist. There are times to resist. There's also times when you can resist against the will of God. Think about Cain. Cain and Abel. This is the two first two sons that were ever born in civilization. Abel has offered up a beautiful sacrifice of the fat of the lamb to God, and God's accepted it. Cain's bought all of his offerings. In, in, in Genesis chapter 4, he's bought all of his offerings of, from the field to God, and God says, I'm not happy and not pleased with that. He says, that's not what I instructed you to do. For, for an offering to be acceptable before God, it had to come from the flock of the land. It had to come from a sacrifice, a shedding of blood. That was what God required. And Cain bought all the vegetables he'd grown in his veggie garden, put them on the things. He said, you'll be happy with what I've done with my... And God was not happy with that. So Cain's got an attitude. Cain is stuck. Cain is rigidly stuck. Why isn't mine acceptable and his acceptable? Why? And he's angry at God. And God comes to him. And I think this is amazing. God actually comes to him and says, hey, 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 if you do what is right... If you're flexible now, if you don't be rigid and resistant, if you do what I'm asking you to do, won't you be accepted? He said, you need to think about what I'm saying because sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. Change a little bit. Change your attitude. Turn around a little bit and listen to what I'm saying. I'm trying to save you. And Cain resisted God, which is not a good thing. He went out, he found Cain in the, uh, he found Abel, and he slew him, killed him down on the ground. All his blood poured out into the ground, and he walks around, walked away. And God comes to Cain and says, "Where's your brother Abel, Cain?" And Cain says, "This was, am I my brother's keeper?" I can hear his blood crying out from the earth. What have you done? And then God says, I'm going to send you out. And he pronounces judgment on him. And poor old Cain says, oh, this is far too much for me to handle. If anybody sees it, they'll kill me. Come figure, you know. But God is not like Cain. So he says, I'll put a mark on you. He says, when people see the mark, they won't kill you. If anybody kills you, it'll be seven times worse for them than it is for you. See, God is not like Cain. He has even more compassion than Cain. I mean, I would say, tooth for, eye for an eye and a tooth for the tooth. Somebody kills you, you're dead. Tough. But God doesn't even play that game. He extends mercy to him and says, okay. So sometimes resistance against the will of God is really dangerous. And flexibility in the wrong things is really dangerous. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 7, Paul is talking to the Galatians. He says, he's really frustrated with them. He says, have I been preaching to you so long? He says, 
Who has deceived you? He says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by my grace, by the grace of God. He says, for a different gospel. You see, what had happened is they knew exactly what Jesus had done for them, except the Galatians had been listening to somebody else about the gospel and had decided to shift their belief from what God had told them to something else. They They were flexible in the wrong thing. And we're told that that had a real problem. And the reason why the flexibility was there, because they didn't know what the Bible said. Okay, so here's the Bible, and you read it every day, right? Here's the Bible, and you read it every day, right? And the reason why you read it every day is because as you're reading the Bible, you're learning something from the Bible. You're learning the ways of God. You're learning how God wants you to think. You're learning what God wants you to stand strong on and say no to. And you're learning what God wants you to say yes to. You're learning how to be flexible in situations so that you can move around problems and not get caught. And you're learning what to stand up for, what to stand up and die for. That's why you're reading the Word of God. You're getting wisdom from the Word of God. If you do not love the Word of God, if you do not read the Word of God, when something happens to you, you will do something that is contrary to the Word of God because the devil will be sure to put something in your mind that is wrong. And you will find yourself doing things that go against God's Word and you'll be deceived. And the deception is simply this. The deception comes because you do not love the truth. And if you go to the Word of God and you start reading the Bible and you say, hey, wait a minute, the Bible says this, this is what I'm doing is wrong. Or the Christians around you might say, oh, no, don't worry about it. Everybody's doing it these days. Don't think about it. Don't worry about it. Just put that out of your head. Wait a minute, wait a minute. If you don't love the truth and you're flexible in the wrong thing, you'll end up in hell. Sometimes the right thing is hard to do and it hurts to do it, but it's the right thing to do. And you ought to resist the temptation to do the easy thing. And if you don't love the Word of God, you will create your own rules for your life and live according to your rules. And then you will discover when you come before God that your rules are not righteous and that you have been doing unrighteously, not righteously. And the worst time to discover that is when you're facing God. Because you can be living thinking that you're serving God and doing everything that God, and you're just a very nice person, doing all the right things you think. But the, ra- the problem is you did not check it with the Holy Spirit, and you did not check it with the Word of God, so you got deceived And you didn't even know it. And that's the scariest thing. To go through life thinking that you're walking on the right path. And the right path has taken you right down to hell. Friend, you've got to learn what to stand up for. And to learn what to give away on. Well, sometimes rules are not worth fighting about. If the man says, we don't want you preaching, because I heard this morning that the, the policeman said, we don't want you shouting, and well, that's okay. You can talk normally, but don't shout at people. Well, that's okay. We're flexible. We don't have to have a fight there. We can actually move around that, and we can find another way. 
We can still be there. We can still do witnessing. We can still do a lot of things. We can do a lot of things differently. We can find out a lot. We can make a change and the difference. We're flexible. But if you're stubborn in your head and say, no, there's only one way to do the gospel and you've got to stand there and preach. And if I stand and preach, I'll get arrested. Well, that's your choice. You're going to be John the Baptist if you like and lose your head in five days. That's fine. You go right ahead. I'll come to you and visit you in jail. There are different ways. You've got to learn what to stand up for and you've got to learn what to give away on. There are some things you don't do because you know that if you do do them, it's the wrong thing. And there are some things that you do do because you know in doing them, you are keeping what God wants you to do. It's learning to know the difference, friends. It's learning to be able to discern the difference. There's a place for resistance and there's a place for flexibility. And wisdom knows which one to do where. And you need wisdom. Flexibility is the ability to move with changes that God is doing. So we've had we've come to live in this church for a few weeks and it's required changes in our lives. Well, we have to get up later in the morning. That's a very hard thing to do, you know. Get up later in the morning, not so early, and to take our time and have breakfast. And very difficult for us to do that. And we sit around and what time is it? Is it time to go yet, Jen? Is it, can we go early, Jen? Shall we go early? It's difficult. Difficult. The ability to be resilient. Everybody say the word resilient. Well, that means that you can make changes. Make changes as you're going along. When you come from one culture to Australia, it's a different culture. Whether it's from China and you've come to Australia, it's different. And resilience says, what do I hang on to as being important and what do I let go as being able to be moved? There are some things I should hang on to and there are some things I should let go of. And some of the things that you let go of may be the way we do things in China may be different to the way it's done in Australia. And learning which one to give away is very important. And learning what to keep and hold on to is very important. The test is there. Flexibility says, if God wants to do something in your life, are you willing to change? And look at yourself. Think about it. If God wants to do something in your life, are you going to cooperate with him? Will you change? Will you change? Will you say, okay, God, if you, if you want to change me, then I'm going to be flexible. I'm going to move with you. Jesus tells them a story about a wineskin. You know, in the old days, back when Jesus lived, they used to carry their wine in skins. So they'd get a goat or they'd get a sheep and they'd skin it and they'd lay it out in the sun and they'd turn it inside out and they'd shave it all and they'd sew it all up and so that they'd have the skin, the body of the animal, all sewed up and they would pour the wine into the skin and so it would be like a, a skin like this, all wine, and then they'd have a drinking nozzle out, a little bit like a drinking and that they'd just pour the juice or the wine out of the skin. Now, if it had been an old skin and it had wine in it, it becomes inflexible, rigid, immovable. If it's a new skin, it's flexible. You can put new wine, fizzy wine in the new skin, 
Because when the wine starts to expand and ferment a little bit, the skin grows with it. So you take an old wine skin and you put the new wine in the old wine skin and what happens? It, the, the wine starts to expand a bit, ferment a little bit. And while it's fermenting a little bit, in the, in the, the skin cannot stretch and it breaks. And all the wine spills out onto the ground. And Jesus actually talks about this. He says to the Pharisees, No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Some of the old wineskins are the old ways you used to do things. The old way you used to do things when you were in Africa. The old way you used to do things when you were in a different culture. The old way we used to do things when we were in the world. The old way we used to do things. You don't put the Spirit of God in the old way. If you put the Spirit of God in the old way, the way you used to do things will wreck it and everything will be lost. It will just can't hold what God wants to do. When Jesus says, I choose you, when Jesus says, I want you, when Jesus says, I call you, and I put my spirit in you, he says, be ready to move. Be ready to change. Be ready to be flexible because I'm going to take you and I'm going to take you somewhere you've never been before, so you better change and move to change with me. If you think, well, I'm not changing. I'm just doing the things that I've always done. The way I was brought up in church, that's the way. Jesus says, I'm not interested in the way you were brought up in church. I'm interested in what I want to do with you now. It's a new thing. And if you're not going to be flexible, God can't use you. It's as simple as that. He says, makes this statement in Luke. He says, you know, he says, those who taste the old wine, they say the old is better. Let me tell you about that. We get so used to the way we do things. We get so used to the old traditional way of doing things. My daddy taught me this. His daddy taught him that. And I'm coming to you now and I'm trying to teach you something, son, that my daddy taught me and his daddy taught him. And, it, and it's not the way. We get set in our ways. We get locked in our ways. And then we start saying the old way is best. Rather than recognizing that Jesus wants to do a new and living thing. He wants to change us to be different. You know, if you want to move forward from God, you've got to let something go. Listen to me. If you want to move forward in God, you've got to be willing to let something go. And that thing that you've got to be willing to let go is like the, the cloak from blind Bartimaeus. It's old ways that don't work anymore for you. Jesus wants to do something new. Don't hang on to the old. Start changing. Young people, listen to me. Don't hang on to old broken ways. If everybody was rebellious when they were a teenager, you do differently. My kids, when they were growing up, didn't rebel. They argued a bit, but they didn't rebel. When I said no, that was it. No was no. It was different to everybody else in their school. But we were doing something different. You don't have to do what everybody else does. The old ways are not necessarily good ways. 
They may be secure ways. You may feel comfortable with them. They may be things that you know well, but they are not good if God is asking you to change. Resistance is the ability to stand up for the right in a society that says everything else is wrong about Christianity, you know? Imagine that, eh? The Bible says, submit to God in James chapter 4. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. First thing to do, submit to God. Say, okay, God, I'm not going to be stubborn. I'm going to submit to you. I want you to be the center of my life. If every time we ran into a problem in our homes, if every time we ran into a, a problem in our society, if every time we ran into a problem in our workplace, we said, got together and said, okay, we're going to submit to God. We're going to go to the word of God and we're going to say, whatever your word says, Lord, that's it. I'm going to submit to this. I'm going to submit to your word, God. Whatever you say is right. Submit to God. And then if it's not your word, I'm going to resist it because it's demonic. You'd solve a lot of your problems straight away. Submit to God, resist the devil. Stick to what you know is right and resist the wrong. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 17, he tells us that the light makes manifest. Like it shines. Like, like what happens is we are, we're once in darkness. This is the thing that we're comfortable with, the darkness. We were comfortable with it. We were once in darkness, he says, but now you're in the light. He says, don't let the darkness be something that you... He says, expose the darkness. Shine into the darkness. Light, shine into the darkness. Expose it. He says, and resist it. Now, I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about the falling away, that there's going to be a great falling away. What's happening? The devil will find any which way he can to undermine you from going forward. No more, you think about it. Which, which way is the devil going to work so he can stir up a situation that will make Danielle fall away from her faith in Jesus? What will he do? Well, he's going to try really hard. He's got lots of, lots of different things he can use. He can use music. He can use kids at school. He can use people in the church. He can use lots and lots of different ways to offend Danielle so that she decides to go, I don't want to follow God. I don't love God. I hate God, and I'm not going to follow anymore. And he's working hard to find those ways. So how's he going to get Mazen to fall away from his faith in Jesus? He's going to do the same thing. He's going to find out as many bad things he can to try and level them at him so that he won't walk forward. How will he get Winston to stop going on for God? What will the devil do to try and mess Winston's mind up so that he gets hard-hearted towards God and doesn't want to follow Jesus anymore? We have an enemy and he's finding a way. He's looking really hard to find a way to disturb Winston. He's looking for a way to disturb you. And unless you submit to God and resist him and shine light into his face, you will be taken out. It's as simple as that. This walk with Jesus is not for idle people who just want to go to church. This walk with Jesus means you have to change when he speaks to you. So if the Holy Spirit says to you into your heart, what you're doing is not right, you have a couple of choices. You can resist it and say, I think I know better. Or you can be flexible and resist the devil and change. Oh, the change might take a bit. It might hurt you a bit. 
might cost you something. You might have to give away something. You might have to give away some security blanket that you've got that you just got that it was nice. You're hanging on to that security blanket. You might have to give that away. I want to tell you something. If you don't give it away, it's not going to be secure for you later. There's only one place where you can live securely and that's with Jesus, being obedient to Jesus. Are you listening to me today? Can you hear what I'm saying? There's only one place you can stay, and that's with Jesus. You might have to give something away. I don't know what you're going to have to give away, but you might have to give something away. But Jesus is saying to you now, don't resist me. Be flexible now. And let's move forward into the future. He loves you. Amen? Okay, let's stand up then. Now, I don't, I don't know where you are at. I don't know what you've been through. And I don't know what you're facing now. But I do know one thing, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And he speaks to you louder than I do. Because inside of you, it begins to burn when it comes to what he's telling you to do. I don't want you to walk out today without responding to the Holy Spirit. I really don't. You know, if you continually harden your heart to the Spirit of Jesus, that's resisting in the wrong place. I don't know what you're resisting, but I don't want you to resist God today. So I want to pray for you. Everybody bow your heads. I'm not going to ask you to come out to the front and I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. I ought to, but I'm not going to. What I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to put up your hand if you know you're resisting and you want God to change your heart. If there's something in your life that you know that God is not happy with and you're resisting him on that thing, I want you to put your hand up and I want to pray for you. Don't you fight God now. That's the dumbest thing you could ever do, to resist the living God. It's a fearful thing to fall under the hand of Almighty God. Father, you see these. I ask, oh God, that you would change their hearts. By your Holy Spirit, they have acknowledged you right now and acknowledged that they are resisting your will in a certain area in their life. Father, help them now to change, to cast the old away, Father, to step into the new. From this time on, Father, give them an obedient heart. We ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.